Namaste, yogis. Welcome to the Happy Jack Yoga Podcast. I'm Happy Jack, coming at you live from the Harvard Innovation Lab in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. And I'm here live with... Happy Hanna, and I'm at the headquarters of Happy Jack Yoga in Bracebridge, Ontario, Canada. Welcome Ooh. home. You Thank made it you. home to Canada. I love it. And uh, it's really nice to be here. Yeah, it's nice to be here. we got beautiful souls from around the globe you're joining us. And, uh, you know, I mean, something that, you know, something I want to say right off the bat, you know, I checked this morning and so far, Hanna, we've had just over 1400 downloads, uh, which is super cool, you know, over the 22 episodes. And we would be so curious to know, like, who out there is listening to this? Like, we, you know, we get to see Amy and Yara and Sue and Lorna and, uh, you know, many of the other yogis who join us here live regularly. We we have no idea who these other you know, hundreds of people are. And so if you're out there and if you catch an episode and um, please let us know, send us an email to info at happyjackyoga.com. You know, periodically I'll get email or I'll get like Facebook messages from colleagues at John Deere from many years ago. And I'm just curious, like, are they, are there John Deere colleagues out there listening? Probably not so many. Are there, um, yeah, who, who is out there? We'd love to hear. So send us an email. Um, and also, if you happen to be listening, if you haven't already, please consider giving us a five-star review on Spotify or on, on Apple. That way more people are going to find the yoga goodness. I don't know. What do you think, Hanna? Who, if you were to guess, if you were to guess one person out there or one group of people, who's who's listening? I think it must be friends of us and mm. yeah, friends and people who know us. Maybe they they want to hear what we're up to. That's probably a good guess. Yes, definitely. And community and students. Very cool. Well, the one thing, you know, we really want to open with today, um, as you know, this is episode 22 and really we're still finding our voice. We're finding our, our flow. We're, you know, constantly innovating. Uh, in fact, we're always going to be innovating. I think that's important with any, any initiative, uh, but something, you know, you brought up just the other day, Hanna, when we were kind of talking and preparing for this, that in a way we've lost sight of some of our original vision. You know, it doesn't mean anything, you know, a bad tangent in any way happened, but we kind of lost sight of some of the vision we had. We're having specific main topics to do with yoga. And, you know, we we got had all this fun with hot seat questions at the end and having fun with, you know, personal updates at the beginning. And, and, and all of that is good stuff. Um, and it's, it's also very relevant for, you know, the yogis that we see here live with us right now, and maybe those closest to us who know us well, you know, who would be, you know, genuinely, genuinely curious in what we're up to in our lives. Uh, but, you know, as you pointed out, you know, for people who don't really know who we are, who's Hannah, who's Jack, um, it would be, you know, it's good to all, also make sure we're delivering uh, useful actionable yoga content that people can, you know, take away and implement in their lives. So maybe I'll be honest, what was, if you want to say more on that, but I think that was a really great distinction. Yeah. I think it's what I love about working with you is that you are so flexible and so willing to um, always revise and, and come back to the point of the things like this. So I'm really grateful that we are, you know, that we are able to always keep improving and 
definitely i think there's a lot of like conversation around yoga and what the impact of yoga is on our lives that i think most of us can really relate to more than maybe your and my life stories because we were just saying prior to just hitting play here and and starting this podcast we were saying how our lives might not be the average lives and we don't know how relatable it is what we share about them like me and travels or you and and ashrams and and all of that but we definitely want to make it uh useful and and relatable and anything we share here um always i hope that the listeners would be feel enriched some in some way or uh, ask themselves how does this apply to my life and what i am navigating right now Mm. yeah that's that's a great that's a great way of putting it we want we want everybody who's listening to be thinking about that how is this relevant for me how does this apply to my life how is this relevant um I think that's really good. And and like you say, I must say, I'm really pleased, Hannah, with the way that, you know, when we had the conversation the other day of, you know, kind of refocusing, re um, you know, aligning the 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 direction we're going, that there was there was no um well, I mean, definitely there was no criticism and I didn't expect that, but also it w- there was it was not coming from a place of like oh we're doing something wrong but it's more like hey how can we evolve this how can we bring it back on track how can we because we want to keep yeah we want to keep growing and, and making it better so that was uh you know and and truthfully you know it's it it's that hasn't always been the case with you and i right sometimes we you know sometimes some conflict or some you know butting heads like that kind of stuff happens naturally in partnerships but I was just really pleased that, you know, both of us were like, hey, we we agree, we feel this, let's, you know, how can we take this to the next level? And the other thing I was thinking about, you know, it's not like, it's not like there's some perfect podcast um, syntax out yeah. there, you know, that we're, we're trying to discover or trying to find. In fact, I think it, I think it was helpful maybe for five or 10 episodes that we got really personal. And and we we talked about releases and we talked about I don't know what all that kind of stuff, um, you know we that that's what was relevant that was what was present for us and now and now um, we're kind of diving deeper both of us into the yoga sutras and some of these classic texts so let's take a look at that and that's one of the things we'll get to do today so I yeah think we'll that- we'll still keep it personal like because we will be interpreting all of the teachings from our own perspective because that's all we have. Right. And we'll Mm -hmm. use our own lives as an example, not because any of what we do is about us. Like Happy Jack Yoga is not about Happy Jack or Happy Hanna or anyone else happy or unhappy. (laughs) It's about it's like, how do we apply yoga in a way that suits each and every one of us? And what does it do to us? How does it change change us? And how does it guide us in who we are becoming? That's the inquiry we're in together in that's what happy jack yoga is is about a community that comes together just as we are but we often talk about ourselves because that's the only people we have the authority to you know share so deeply about and i just wanted to kind of you know we we will share yogic teachings and we will hopefully keep it relatable and personal 
Yeah. And that's something that we share in a lot of our training. Certainly our 200 hour training is we want to practice speaking from a place of I, because if, if it's, if it's too much like, Oh, you should do this and you should do this and you should do this. It's like, it's, you know, preaching or it's coaching or trying to, trying to change somebody versus when we share from our own personal experience, people can relate with that. And I think what we're, we're going to, we'll keep, we're definitely going to keep it personal and a little bit more focus on tying it into the teachings. Mm-hmm. That, that being said, I, I wanted to, you know, one little update that kind of started last week that I just wanted to close the loop on. I'd mentioned how I had this, you know, really tight, sore hip flexor. And so the, you know, since, since the podcast last week, I was able to meet with a physical therapist and, uh, you know, and, and go through everything. And what was so good, so helpful. And we can learn this as, as yoga teachers and probably parents and, and coaches is this therapist asked so many questions. You know, I, I can just imagine like some people might be quick to jump. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's this. Or I think it's this. We spent an hour together and she was just asking so many questions about, you know, how does this feel? You know, when we try different movements, how does this feel? What is your lifestyle like? All of this before we came to any kind of conclusion. And, and I just, it just, it reminded me of the importance of that, like questions, are the answer I've kind of heard before, you know, it's really important to ask those questions versus jumping, you know, straight to it. And, and what we discovered is that it's uh, it's actually, I have, I have a pinched sciatic nerve. So, you know, not sciatica, that's, you know, completely different, but just the sciatic nerve that runs down the leg. Um, I've pinched it and, you know, through kind of digging and digging and her asking questions, we got to the bottom of it you know, I'd been doing these workouts that this, you know, this orange theory fitness, which is like a group exercise class. And, and part of it is rowing. And so I always start on the rower and this is at like 6am. So I'm, I'm starting on the rower when my body is still kind of cold and not warmed up and just the way I was moving it and the impacting. And of course I always had like two big, strong guys on either side of me that I was competing with. And oh yeah, you better believe I did outrow them. So I mean, not that it was like a competition, but it was like a But it's an essential part of the story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I pushed I pushed myself hard. I feel like it was it was done at a healthy I wasn't trying to beat them. I'm sure they weren't looking at mine that I know of, but it was like this, you know, this healthy um competition. Uh, but you know, but all you always these, win. <laughs> I know, right? I have to point that out. That's the ego talking. But anyways, um, you know, I uh, all of these compounded doing the rowing early morning, pushing myself too hard, um, and and so anyways, that's that's what it was. And so I was given some exercises, you know, to help alleviate that, and and the, also though the the physical therapist said, you know as as much as you know do these exercises she said it's also important to keep moving because what happens a lot of times when people get an injury is they become very sedentary and they they don't move so much and then after some period of not moving it can be hard to get going again so i i took that as an invitation to get back into you know some little bit of light jogging and stuff sooner than was ready and and anyways that didn't work so i'm, I'm back to to resting but I feel that it's getting better. And I guess the, the the takeaway I wanted for all of us is to remember that, you know, we are our own best yoga teacher. Because even though the physical therapist was suggesting to me, yeah, you can, you can keep running, you can keep working out as long as it feels okay. You know, ultimately, you know, I can feel what's going on in my body. And now it's like, as much as I want to keep moving, 
I know I need to take rest. And so it's just that reminder for all of us when we get on the yoga mat, teacher might invite us to do a pose, uh, a deep pigeon, a happy frog, but we need to we need to listen to what feels right for us. Yeah, and it's so easy to be like what you were sharing openly, that is your ego talking. It's so easy for all of us to always want to do the harder version and the uh, you know, if if the teacher says, here's how you can modify, the advanced yogi knows when they need to modify and when how to practice so that it's ahimsa, that it's not hurtful to our body or any part of our being, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's And it's a learning. It's like, I mean... Yeah. So anyways, I'm back. I'm on the mend. I've been slowed down. My walking is slower. My uh, limp is still there a little bit. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's just all learning, right? And and I actually, the other thing I come to appreciate as I walk around, you know, cause I think normally I'm just racing around and now I'm like observing the pace that people walk at. And I'm seeing the the super young, healthy people running by and and I'm also noticing the senior citizens who are walking very slowly or or walking with some kind of a limp or or really you know not so good posture and just aware of these kinds of things that I would know oh, I froze back. for a second you're yeah. back just aware of like the the way the you know posture and and injuries and pace the pace of life and and just being aware that you know the aging process and it's it's a real thing and you know even though mine my little pinch nerve is temporary you know I'll work it out within the next week I'm I feel quite confident um you know these these kind of things come with time with age and and then that we get to practice yoga of non-attachment and not not identifying with our 20-year-old self um and but really accepting the the journey yeah, I love the mindfulness aspect of it, what you're sharing, how this injury has slowed you down and taught you to um, be present. And then you notice how fast or not fast or the different ways people move around you. Mm -hmm. Always the, the, the struggle always teaches us a lot of things, right? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, truthfully, I can't wait until I can move quickly again, but I'm going to, I feel like even when I can, I'm going to do it with more, more like presence and more respect and just, just more deeper understanding and, and how privileged we are to have the movement that we have, even the limitations we have, right? Our dear friend Sue, who's on here live with us, you know, who shares openly in her journey with Parkinson's. And it's like, you know, any one of us can focus on the, you know, limitations that we may have. Um, and we can also focus on what, what we can do, what is possible. You know, the fact that, you know, I get this, I get to see Sue's smiling face nodding there right now and, and engaging in these conversations. And it's like, there's so much beautiful, work that we can do and that's that that's the that's a choice that's a choice that we have of what we focus on yeah and so I that, love that yeah and so you know one other little thing uh this is a, this is content but one other little thing that i wanted to share before we get to our main topic of the yoga sutras so i had a i had a coach like uh my a coach named billy beck and billy 
so it's funny seven 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 but anyways he he coached the rock dwayne johnson the rock for seven years he helped train the rock to go from being a wrestler to a movie you know an actor and um so he's you know worked with some high profile clients he's tony robbins current um uh, trainer and i worked with him for seven years I, I don't at this time but i did for seven years but i still i get some messages from him sometimes and he just sent me a message uh last week and he shared these 10 principles so if we really want to thrive in life these are 10 principles and maybe after i see say each one Hanna, i'll kind of bounce it to you if you have a, a personal experience or something to add um, you know, for fun, he called them the 10 commandments, you know, the, these are like the 10, the 10 do's, um, of, of life. And so the first one is hydration. I mean, sitting here right now, it, those who can see I've got, I'm holding up my protein shake, my water bottle and my green juice. So, uh, you know, definitely, you know, hydration is so important. And the, the key, like kind of the metric that they say, just a, a simple rule of thumb is to drink half your body weight in ounces. So what does that mean for those of us who are not strong in math? So if you weigh 200 pounds, then you would drink 100 ounces of water, which is about three liters of water. And, and my experience is, you know, most people, most of us are dehydrated. I mean, that's actually just the facts of reality. You know, our bodies are 65 to 70% water, which is kind of crazy. You know, so we're made up so much of water and um, and just the importance of hydrating. And I'll share, I'll just share my my practices and I'll bounce it to you, Hunter, for your thoughts. But something I do, I like to, what do you call it? Like front load. So I drink, I drink a ton of water in the first half of the day because I notice if I do it in the end of the day, then I have to wake up too many times in the night to go pee. So I like, as soon as I wake up, that's when I'm drinking. I mean, this massive glass jar uh, of water and, and just drinking as much as I can for like, you know, right up until about 4 PM. And then, and then from 4 PM till bedtime, those last few hours, I'm, I'm just sipping at the most. And then, and then that way I don't have to wake up and go pee a bunch of times in the night. Um, but it, I feel like it, it makes such a difference, like just like for mental clarity, um, for the the physical repairing of our muscles from any ex exercise we do, you know, I just, so anyways, that's number one, hydration, I guess my my wish for everybody out there, I see, see Yada taking a drink, I saw Sue taking a drink, uh, if I missed it, Amy, grab your water bottle, grab a drink, nice, love it. What do you, what do you, what do you think, Hannah, when you hear that hydration? I think it's great to remember. And also, I don't like when it gets so extreme that we have to do all kinds of things and we can't sleep at night and all of that. I think, yes, hydrate and then let's leave it at that. <laughs> That's my take taking. And also, yeah. it's going to well, take a while if we're going to go through 10 commandments like this. It's okay, I'll do the whole podcast. Okay. Second one, uh, eating food closest to the source. Boom, simple, not processed, food closest to the source. Third one, uh, commit to structured eating times, right? The, you know, our body, it thrives on consistency. So, you know, as, as best we can, you know, we got to be flexible, but, you know, consistently eating at the same times. Um, the fourth one is eating within a certain window, like a 12-hour window. Some people do even more extreme intermittent fasting, but, you know, just 
So to give our digestion a break, it's just so we're not eating from the moment we wake up till we go to bed, kind of having a, a window. Uh, number five, sleep hygiene. You know, sleep, again, body thrives uh, on consistency. And so, you know, going to sleep, waking up same time as best we can each day. I mean, really coming back to yoga, it puts our body in a sattvic state, a healing state when it, when it's, um, you know, when it, when it can anticipate, you know, when it gets to sleep, when it gets to rest. Number six, strength, get, getting strong. You know, it's, uh, and you know, this is something Billy said. He said that the number one anti-aging phenomenon right now, according to all of the science is strength training. And we might not, you know, I'm, I'm not putting that out there as a fact myself, but just like the importance on so many levels of, of doing some kind of, you know, challenging our muscles, um, et cetera. So three times a week, resistance training, number seven, three times a week, cardio doesn't, doesn't have to be like for some hours, you know, even just 15 to 30 minutes per day, but we got to get out of breath. We got to challenge our body, get out of breath. Number eight, easy for us yogis, daily meditation and daily breath work, you know, and really cultivating this, um, so that it's not just something we do for 10 minutes on our meditation cushion, but it's something that we 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 have a moving meditation when we're doing cardio or a moving meditation when we're doing strength training. Number nine, uh, that you know this this perhaps one that you don't agree with as much, Hannah. But if 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 somebody has an intention of either losing fat or building muscle, then the the only way to really track progress is to each day to track our body weight our total calories and protein intake, you know, and, and I'm not suggesting that a person does this for the rest of their life, but having gone through a period of time where I did that, like I tracked my, my weight, the total calories and the total protein. And then I figured out like what really works well. And, and that now I just do it. I don't need to weigh anything. I just, I know the right amounts. So that's, that's kind of a, a good one. And then number 10, super important is the beliefs that we have. You know, so like having some kind of a visualization each day, you know, even 15 minutes before we go to bed, thinking, you know, focusing on the things we're grateful for, focusing on the things that we have, the blessings that we have in our life. Um, because otherwise, you know, we have all these other programs that are impacting us. And so choosing to choosing visualizations, incantations, intentions to create our life. So anyways, that was, that was just a, uh, a quick 10 points, you know, for, I mean, for me, like that's, that just describes my life. So I'm like, yes, I'm doing it. Um, and, and there may be disagreement out there, including with Hanna, but I'm putting that out there as some ideas to consider. Yeah. Great. I mean, I, it's not like I disagree. I just think if we can do this without bringing it to the extremes, I do agree yeah. that, you know, healthy lifestyle with all those different aspects to it. Um, our opportunities and most importantly the last one the the paradigm that we choose to live in it's a choice what you believe is a choice and questioning one's own beliefs I think is healthy and fascinating to me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah oh my goodness yeah yeah I, I, I will go on. okay I'll just say the the side tangent the thought I had there is those few days this weekend when I was in some pain when I was pushing my body too much because I wanted to get moving too quickly and and my body was screaming saying no take a break 
as I was going to bed each of those three nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, I mean, I was just focused on the discomfort and the pain and the like, oh my God, I can't fall asleep. I'm, I'm just in pain. I, I can't fall asleep. What am I going to do? I'm just going to wreck my day tomorrow. You know, those are the thoughts that were in my head as I was not falling asleep, but eventually did fall asleep. And, and it did impact my sleep, you know, versus, you know, now last night was like the first night of, uh, you know, back on track to just feeling the gratitude and going to bed with a, a full heart. And, and it makes, it really does make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe it. Yes. All right. We're getting back to the main, back to the main event, the main topic. We're going to take a little conversation here for those live on Zoom uh, and take a talk about the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. So I'm holding up Edwin Bryant's text, nice, thick, Oh my goodness, how many pages is it? 600 pages. Um, don't worry, you don't have to read the entire 600 pages in order to be a, uh, a yogi, but there's, you know, there's some really beautiful wisdom in here. And, and I know something you're, you point out often, Hannah, is that this is simply one style of yoga. This is one system of yoga. This is classical yoga, according to Patanjali, um, and it, and and there's incredible value in here that we live by and we teach in our 200 hour hero's journey. And it's not, you know, the only way. And it, it's certainly not the only way that you and I, Hanna, understand and practice yoga. But without, you know, trying to say everything about every path at once, shall we have a little conversation? Yeah, I just want to kind of add to your introduction to the idea of the Yoga Sutras by Patanjali is also that even if it might not be the the one and only text that you and I might study and appreciate. There's a lot of deep wisdom that does apply to everyone, no matter what path you're on. Kind of like, I don't know, different religions or belief systems will have um, deep wisdom that we can all benefit from, even if we, you know, might not be practicing only that or, you know. So I think that's why it's fascinating to look into the sutras for anyone who's interested in yoga and yoga philosophy. Yeah, exactly. And so what we're going to do here, um, you know, this is, it, it's kind of cool because right now I'm, I'm studying it here at Harvard Divinity School with our Professor Clooney, who some of you met the other week in our Krishna and Christ course. Um, so we're, we're really doing a deep dive this whole semester. So probably over the next 10 weeks or so, uh, periodically, we'll share some wisdom from the, the Yoga Sutras. And it's funny, you know, Professor Clooney in class, you know, he kind of made a joke. He said often, often at the end of like when he's leading courses where we're exploring the different paths of yoga, you know, when we're talking about the Bhagavad Gita and Bhakti Yoga, and we're talking about classical yoga from Patanjali and Gyana Yoga, the Yoga of Wisdom and Karma Yoga. And sometimes when we get in, you know, uh, these deeper philosophical questions, you know, he said some of his students would say, you know, thanks for the course. Uh, now I don't know what yoga is anymore. You know, it's almost like it can, we get a little bit confused, right? Because it's like, well, what is it? I thought it was this. Now it's this. I thought yoga was union. Now all of a sudden we're saying it's, it's potentially says something else. Um, so let's, let's go into this, um, giving ourselves permission to, to not be attached to one simple, single definition of what yoga is. And, and ultimately, the cool thing is every single one of us, we get to decide 
You know, what is yoga for us? How is it meaningful for us? And, and nobody can argue with that because like, I, I really believe at different stages of our yoga journey, yoga is going to mean different things. And so, I mean, we could go to a, a guy like Edwin Bryant, who's been a yogi for 50 years, and he may have a strong opinion about what yoga is. And, and it's true. It's his truth. It's his experience. Um, yet he, maybe he can't speak to, you know, someone who grew up or, or some, you know, to where we are in our journey, if we've just been doing this for a few years. And so let's not, I guess I'm speaking to myself here as well. Let's not be, let's not compare ourselves to other people, to more experienced teachers or practitioners, and, and let's trust ourselves and where we are at um, and, and kind of come into this, this conversation with that perspective. Yeah, like with a curious mind, kind of like if we were exploring something rather than even deciding, just exploring what is there and what how that reveals itself to us. If there's a, a piece of wisdom or even a word, like if there's something from this conversation that stays with you, maybe it's a word or a, a thought then bring that forward into your day, maybe journal around it or talk to your bestie and look at world, the world from with that lens of, of that word or that piece of information. You know, it's an exploration. Yeah, that's it. That's great. And so, well, let's dive in, you know, um, so we'll dive in with the, the first yoga sutra. It's a classic. We used to chant it in India, uh, or we often, whenever we go to India as part of our retreats and our teacher trainings, and that, that sutra is Atta Yoga Anushasanam. Atta Yoga Anushasanam. Did you want to repeat that? No. <laughs> oh, I, thought, I thought you were <laughs> I like- I thought you wanted me to. <laughs> You're like on the edge of your seat, ready to do it. So, I mean, we won't, we, have, we don't have to break down all the Sanskrit, but there's just some really basic things here to understand. Atta means now. It means now or here. So it's like right now, right here. And uh, Anushasanam is, is, so Shasanam is the teachings in, of yoga. And what's really interesting is this Anu. And what that Anu indicates is the continuation. So now the continuation of the teachings of yoga. And so that's a really important distinction. Patanjali himself is, is not saying, hey, I'm inventing yoga right now, you know, 200 AD or whenever this was written. He's not saying, hey, I'm the inventor of yoga. Here it is. He's saying now the continuation of the teachings of yoga. It's like and a river really of, of wisdom that is flowing to us right yeah. now in this present moment when we study or discuss or explore these teachings of yoga. Yeah. And that's, I mean, for us as yoga teachers, that's really the case, right? We're none of us are inventing yoga. Like there's not one asana pose that we have invented. There's not one mantra we've invented. There's not one pranayama practice, right? It's like, it's a continuation and and we get to we get to make it our own but certainly patanjali he systemized it and simplified it and just really like put it together in this nice package 195 very brief sutras and and that's the first one really opening up the conversation do you want to talk a little bit about what a sutra is 
Yeah. I mean, literally what it means is a thread, a thread. And so you can think about it like if you're going to thread, well, Hanna, you're a knitter. Yara, you're a knitter. I'm sure several others here are knitters. And right when you, you take these threads and you thread them together, well, you can create something beautiful. And that's why it's important, you know, as we sometimes joke in the West, and we look at the eight limbs of yoga, well, everybody jumps to limb number three, asana. It's like, and hangs on to that asana limb, and, and which is a, a very good limb, an important one, but it's only one limb. And so these sutras, it's if we think of it as like a thread, it threads together the information. Uh, and it's it's very simple. It's very short and succinct. You know, uh, Professor Clooney joked, you know, this is obviously totally a joke, but he would say for those, uh, you know, those saints and yogis who are writing these sutras, there's there's many other sutras, Kama Sutra, Yoga Sutra, Brahma Sutra. But these, these uh, authors who are writing the sutras, they would they would give up their own mother if they could shorten a sutra by one syllable. Obviously, it's a joke. But the point being, they did everything they could to keep, to, to capture the essence of the teaching without any extra filler. And, and that fits with us, Han, in our hero's journey, right? Because we're really encouraging our teachers to use essential language. And I know I can be the first one very guilty of, of talking too much and saying too much. And, and there's it's real a power. Practice. So it's, yeah. it's, it's not that we are saying we're doing it perfectly because we teach it. It's something mm -hmm. we cultivate or aim to cultivate sometimes with more success and other times with less. But I, I really appreciate how you explain the sutras and the, the, since they are so condensed, they're like vitamin capsules. You take it and then it, it absorbs into your system. And as you study each sutra and the wisdom that comes from each sutra, it, it opens itself up. Oftentimes you'll need a teacher or a conversation or a community where these teachings are kind of opened up and discussed because each syllable can have so many meanings and has so much depth. There's so many teachings and ways to approach mm -hmm. the Sanskrit text. Yeah, that's right. And that's really what satsang, that's what satsang is for. You know, for those who come to our satsang, the yogis live with us and many who are listening, you know, we've evolved that to, to really be like a beautiful community sharing circle which is what satsang is mm -hmm. and in the most traditional we sense. do it on Sundays with our community every Sunday. Every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, community comes together. Love it. And in, in the most traditional sense, like in India, satsang is, is often, uh, it, it more begins with, you know, unpacking some teaching, some Sanskrit uh, verse, something like this. But then it certainly opens at the end with sharing and with questions. Um, so you're right. It's, it's, this is not meant to, to be studied on one's own, but I mean, that's why Edwin Bryant on those 195 sutras, like, you know, you could read, you could read through them in 15 or 20 minutes, but, you know, Professor Bryant has written 600 pages to, you know, to translate that to, to really, and that's, that's very thorough, obviously, but yeah. Mm. And so the first sutra says here now, come the continuation the teachings of yoga yeah and it's the first 
kind of wisdom that this text offers. And for example, what I hear in it is that in the present moment is where yoga happens. And what I hear in it is that yoga is, um, I don't know, like a portal, a way to enter and live our lives that I did not know was possible before uh, yoga encountered me (laughs) or I encountered yoga. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, What would you say if you were to say how you implement that? Like, what does this sutra mean to you? You know, the words that stand, so this atta, which, which means both here and now, I just, I feel in that like presence, like, like right here, right now in this moment, not after Shavasana, not after your 200 hour hero's journey certification, but right now. And this, this, you know, continuation of the teachings of yoga. I actually like how you explained it there where it's like, it's the beginning. It's almost like an opening. It's an invitation. It's an invitation into the conversation, invitation into the teachings um, and to see how they fit for, for each of us. And the, and, and from there, it really jumps right into the, the second sutra is perhaps one of the most famous, which is Yogash Chitta Vritti Nerodaha. And so that this gives us the definition of yoga. So right away, first, you know, now here at the teachings and the second teachings. And so the, the translation of Yogas Chitta Vritti Nerodaha is that yoga is the stilling of the fluctuations of the mind. So essentially yoga is you know, keep keeping it in grade three language. Like yoga is stopping the thoughts, stopping the busyness of the mind, you know, this yeah, and the ups and the downs and the, what navigation of life is it, life isn't linear. It's complicated and intense and it is surprising, but with yoga, we can find peace in it. Would, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't that be, Yoga is like a solution, a, a, a way to live through the navigation that brings peacefulness because it stops the crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it makes sense. Like if we think how, if we've ever had the experience, I know I have, and I've, we've heard many, many yogis share, if you feel after a yoga class, if you feel more calm, if you feel less stressed out, if we feel less reactive, you know, or frustrated sitting at a red light, like all of these little things, these little mental uh, impacts we notice from yoga, well, this, it makes sense. If yoga is the the stilling of the fluctuations of the mind, this, it makes sense. You know? Yeah. And it, what I th- hear in that also is that it, when you live yoga for a longer time. And I want to remind everyone, I'm not an extreme practitioner like other people could be who live in ashrams or have very intense practices. That's just not my karma, but that doesn't make me any less of a yogi. It's not the amount of things we do that defines it because each of us have our own way to apply yoga. And when we find ways to apply yoga, it changes who we are. And I'm sure we've all heard so many stories about how yoga has um, provided a platform 
an alternative platform to navigating whatever difficulty a person is navigating, um, whether it's kind of not such big issues or big issues. It could be grief or life transitions or anything where we come to look for yoga. And when we apply yoga, when we put ourselves into the stream in the present moment of yoga, it changes our life experience and how we respond to life. So the extremes won't be kind of pulling us like, what's this called when there's like the strings that pull? Do you know? Pop it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's not like yoga is the stillingness. There's no more thoughts. There is because we're human beings. As long as there's consciousness, there's going to be a thought, right? And there's going to be experience and there's going to be patterns and all of that. But with the yogic practices, which could be breathing and yogasana, maybe meditation, maybe reading sacred texts, however that and the ratio of those might vary from each of us, how much we engage in those different yogic um, techniques, then most of us here who've been doing yoga for many years, we can see how yoga slowly has um, kind of evolved us into human beings that I don't know that I would have access to or I would be if I had never encountered yoga. And I think you can also share a lot about that, Jack, how your recent bhakti yoga has Mm, in, in influenced you right yeah for sure yeah i mean it, it impacts in so many ways i guess i want to be careful not to go too far off track by going into bhakti um but just you know just thinking about you know what you said you know and yoga is the is the you know kind of the stopping of the thought so yeah that's right one thing you said was how you know we don't we're never really going to have no thoughts and that is the reality for most of us now, if we were to accomplish the ultimate goal of yoga, you know, the, there's the eight limbs, the last limb being samadhi. If we make it to that eighth limb, in fact, at that point, there are no thoughts. Reality, I've never met anybody that's ever made it there. Of course, we read about a handful of, you know, great saints that that did indeed achieve that, but most of us are not going to get there. So that's true. It's a great distinction. So we shouldn't beat ourselves up or feel like, oh, I'm failing at yoga or I, I can't do this. I can't meditate, you know, because even if the me. impact of yoga is temporary, even if the calm state of mind that you might receive after a yoga class or a meditation or pranayama breathing techniques, it still does rewire our nervous system and how we respond to life and who we are. So even if we don't achieve the ultimate goal, so to say, mm -hmm. the practice, I feel like sometimes we, it's almost like it, there's like a river of grace or blessings or something that um, changes who we are. And so I don't worry that much about the ultimate goal. And maybe who knows, maybe we do reach it at times for an instant where there is no thought, like we shouldn't, rule that out that it's not a, it is possible and according to this particular book maybe there's a lot that is required according to this system for the ultimate state to arrive mm. but i do think that even a normal person 
you and I who live in the world, these teachings can not just stop thoughts, but transform them. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, I want to actually even jump to the the next sutra, sutra 1.3. And because I, so again, so just for uh, review, so summary, or 1.1 is introducing now here the teachings of yoga. Sutra 1.2 is saying the definition, yoga is the stilling of the fluctuations of the mind. And then Yoga Sutra 3 is tada drashtu svarupe vastanam, which means, which I see as like really the higher purpose of yoga. So it means when, when that is accomplished, the seer abides in its own true nature. So when the practice of yoga is accomplished, when we can truly completely still the fluctuations of the mind, well, then we can see our own true nature. We can see what we are. We're a pure spirit soul, right? We're not a, a man or a woman or a Canadian or a Finn or, you know, color skin, sexual preference. Like these are all just like external um, labels that we have, but really understanding our own true nature. And so that's, you know, um, you know, that's the, that's the ultimate uh, intention, the ultimate potential of this practice. Yeah. According to Patanjali. According to Patanjali. And so it suggests that we, all of us have a pure spirit soul at our core that we can access if we're lucky with the techniques of yoga. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I heard, I think it was Professor Brian. It was either Professor Brian or Professor Clooney or somebody said that actually every world religion, every faith tradition um, understands and teaches that we're, we're more than just our physical body. Yeah. It was you Edwin. Know? I think it was, Ed, was it Edwin? Yeah. You know, and I mean, the yogis may take it a little further, you know, saying we're also not our mind, you know, and, and, you know, different, different uh, variables there, but, you know, they all teach that we're not the physical body, but I also love, you know, and I'm just going to share one more, the fourth sutra, and that's all we're doing today because this kind of is the flip side of the third one. So the fourth sutra is vritti sarupyam itaratra, which, which kind of tells us otherwise, at other times, the seer is absorbed in the changing states of the mind. So what that means is it's like, okay, if, if we're able to accomplish the practice of yoga and still the thoughts, then we can abide in our own true nature. And we're just like, you know, connected to the divine. We can see our own true self. We can see that we're a pure spirit soul. Um, and then number four is basically saying, but until we get there, the reality is what you just said on earlier, we're going to be in this state of having a fluctuating mind. And some days we're going to be very sattvic and very like pure and grounded and a, a state of goodness. Some days we're going to be rajasic and energetic and passionate and, you know, you know, jumping around. And other days we're going to be tamasic, which is more lethargic or lazy. And, and these are just like the three elements, the three gunas that are working on us. Um, but there's, you know, so this is where most of us are going to spend our life. And, and, but yet we come back to the practice. And, and like you were saying earlier, um, even if we don't get there to that destination, like it's all of the practices we do are accumulative. 
which means every meditation we do, it's not a, it's not a failure. It's not, a, even if we don't see immediate results, like it's, it builds up. It's just like, it's like every day that we, you know, I mean, everybody here, I, I'm pretty sure brushes their teeth probably consistently when they wake up before they go to bed or whatever your routine is, right? There's some kind of consistency because we've just done it for so many years. It's like a non-negotiable. And now as a result of that, we have relatively healthy teeth, you know, considering our age. Um, the same is true with, you know, showering. The same is true with meditation and yoga. And so it's not like, you know, going to the gym and lifting weight once and then we're fit for life. It's not like we can sit on the yoga mat or go to one yoga retreat or one training and then we're just this blissful yogi for life. But every every time we do the practice, it's like it kind of builds this this spiritual armor. I feel I, I see it as and and it just it prepares us and it prepares us for all the things that are happening and all the things that catch us off guard. And um, so it's 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 never a waste. That's at least that's the the mindset that I take. Mm -hmm. I love that. Really well said. Yeah. That it's cumulative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, just in these last few moments, I mean, you know, some of the reflections, I had to write a paper for Professor Clooney last night. It's always due on Tuesdays. So it's kind of good. Whatever I write about for him, we can chat a bit on the podcast. <clears throat> um, but I know after kind of reflecting on those four yoga sutras in my paper for Clooney, um, you know, I was thinking like my final reflections, like what is really on my mind? And some of the things uh, that I want to know is that like, can yoga be, can yoga be secular, which means like completely non-religious, like just purely, you know, about, uh, you know, uh, relieving stress and the physical practice and all of that. Can it be that? And then also, can it be deeply spiritual? Can it be deep? Can it be religious? Um, and then ultimately, what is it for me? And and by the way, what it is for me doesn't doesn't have to in any way influence what it is for Hanna or anybody else. But I think it's I think it's kind of good to think about is like, well, what is this practice for us? And and it's it's nice that we can think about that because we have some students who come into the community, um, perhaps connected to you know, for example, uh, growing up as a Christian and a practicing Christian, um, and. And and using the the practice of yoga purely for the physical benefits and the mental benefits, and then and then of course there are also Christians that that use the practice of yoga to connect to God or to Jesus, and then and then there may be you know all of us for different reasons can can use this practice, but I guess you know I'm just in this inquiry of like what is yoga for me, and so even though as we engage. The Yoga Sutras by Patanjali. Um, I, yeah, I'm just kind of in that inquiry of like, what what is it for me, and how is it evolving? How is the definition the definition evolving? How do I? What and, would you say now, or is is it too big a question to answer? Like, if you were to say some words, what yoga is for you right now? You know, I mean, truthfully, you know, it's 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 off of what is taught here in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, but for me because I'm practicing more bhakti yoga, it's more about right now at this stage, it's about connecting with the divine, you know, connecting with the divine within me and the divine that's, you know, everywhere that created all of this. 
Um, that's and that's a, a very authoritative definition of yoga as well. Um, not not necessarily what Patanjali is teaching, um, but the cool thing is even for the bhakti yogis, you know they fully accept everything that Patanjali is teaching, and this and certainly say all of this works like this absolutely. Um, and I, the bhakti yogis believe that by you know cultivating this relationship with the divine and connecting to our our higher self and our best self um anyways we're going to get those as a side benefit we're going to get those those results of the stilling of the fluctuations of the mind and being able to see our own true nature um, but instead of just settling for seeing our own true nature right because like a bhakti yogi might kind of joke of like hey i don't i don't want to just uh empty my mind and see that i'm a pure spirit soul and then just like kind of sit there in a mountain cave and meditate i want to engage with the world i want to i want to i want to be a better person i want to be a better parent a better partner all of the different roles that we play and then and then serve and contribute and engage um in yeah so that's yeah so that's, and that could be possible maybe to access with a calm mind and you know mm. so that's why there is no contradiction it's just maybe a little bit it's almost like Patanjali is like a kind of like a secular technology provider <laughs> and then you can use it for yeah. bhakti if you wanted totally and so that's the cool thing because many of those who are listening now are yoga teachers and and so we get to decide you know based on where we are in our path and based on who we're teaching if we're if we're doing a corporate yoga class you know to some business in town well maybe you know we really keep it more patanjali style let's let's still the the fluctuations of the mind but if you're if you're doing something more on the spiritual side you you can decide for yourself you know what is yoga what does it mean for you how much that you share um and and anyways and and I really set that intention at the beginning of this course. It's like even even though I know that I'm not so, uh, I'm not I'm not using Patanjali's book as like my authoritative text that I read every day and try to embody. Um, you know, even though I'm not, this isn't the system that I'm per se practicing. My goodness, as a yoga teacher, I want to understand it because this is this is a system that many yogis in the West. Uh, are practicing and are seeking so and so it's are good exposed to, to most of us aren't exposed to any other kinds of yoga philosophy that's right yeah so that's the that's that mm -hmm. right I love it. so it, it so we get to have some conversations in the yoga sutras stay tuned the next the upcoming weeks will will input some of that as well we should briefly say, Hanna, um, you know, so next uh, next week, actually, we're going to have a special guest. Our friend Brandon Morgan is going to be joining us because he's going to be helping us to lead a course uh, specific for yoga teachers on artificial intelligence and uh, social media and all of these great things. And so he, we're going to have him on the podcast next week for just a, a section so we get a sense of like, hey, what's this about? How is this going to help us? How is this relevant for us as yoga teachers? So stay tuned for that. That course begins February the 19th. Uh, if you want to join us live, email us, info at happyjackyoga.com. And of course, 
yeah, thank you for being here. Thanks for thanks for listening. Again, if you're out there listening, send us an email. Let us know. Uh, we'd love to we'd love to hear from you. Info at happyjackyoga.com. If you don't mind, give us a little five star review on Spotify and Apple if you haven't already. Help us get the the ratings up or the uh, visibility up. And other than that, make it an amazing rest of the day. It's been it's been a pleasure, Hannah. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. Oops. <laughs>